Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to a special season of What the Flock. We've spent the first five seasons covering the topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. This season, our goal is to repair the Bible's reputation. And how we're going to do that is by taking specific Bible verses or a verse that has been abused due to man-made tradition and help you understand the ultimate answer for these verse or verses. I'm joined by my co-host, Joel Swikowski. How you doing, Joel? I'm well. How are you, Jonathan? Great. Excited. Um, yeah, this has been really fun so far. I really like yeah, the season. Me as well. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to seasons one through five, listener, then I encourage you to do so. Because we're going to discuss during this episode things that are built on a foundation of the previous five seasons. So at the very least, I highly recommend listening to the episodes that are referenced during this episode. Yeah, we will, as we have this season, bring up episodes from the past. Um, You know, the 75 episodes in the What the Flock podcast alone are the foundation right and we've seen in those foundational episodes that every issue we deal with has two perspectives that distract people from the perspective they ought to be looking at the ultimate answer these distracting perspectives we called either the strict or the loose side of the argument what we saw with the strict side is that this side, a person who holds this belief, initiates conflicts with the Bible by saying that they know the correct interpretation for this verse or this doctrine for sure. Yet when they have a contradiction exposed in their understanding, they rationalize their reliance on the man-made traditions that have taken over the Bible. So a really good example of this is you're a sinner and that although you can't earn your salvation by works, you better do works to prove your salvation. So what this person does is they rationalize their contradictions, or we can see this person as a contradiction rationalizer. Mm -hmm. Then the loose side of the argument, someone who holds this side holds this belief What they do is they avoid conflict with the Bible, with God's word, by saying, you know what, we can't know anything for sure, either because, you know, there's not an answer given or the answer is beyond our understanding. You know, we're, we're finite human beings. Our minds aren't capable of understanding these paradoxical or complex doctrine. The contradiction here is that these people, when you interact with them, still want to say they know for sure that you are wrong in areas they don't agree with. Mm. So when it comes to their own beliefs, they say, we can't know anything for sure. We're not supposed to know that. But when it comes to your beliefs, they are willing and able to say you're wrong about what you're saying. What we see these people are doing is enabling contradictions, or we can categorize them as a contradiction enabler. Amazing. Thanks, Joel. What verse are we covering today? Let's jump in. 
The verse we're covering today is from Jeremiah 19.5. And have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I have commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. Mm. I can see some conflict arising yeah, from this verse. Neither came it into my mind is the part we'll hit. And, Ooh. you know, just for, just so, so y'all know, this is a verse in the middle of a sentence. This is God, the father, Jehovah speaking. So this is Jehovah saying, neither came it into my mind. Interesting. Well, in order to look at how this verse has damaged the reputation of the Bible, or in other words, how man has taken away from what God intended with this verse, we've recorded messages from two of our favorite callers from the first five seasons. First, the strict explanation is given by Apostle Tater from McMillan, Alabama. Let's hear what Apostle Tater has to say. Okay, so what God is saying is that it was so evil, he would never consider doing what the Israelites did. So, Joel, how would you respond to the perspective that Apostle Tater gave? First, I'd ask these people, one, if they believe God doesn't know something until we think it, and then two, if God knew everything that would happen because he's outside of time, why didn't he know this was going to happen? The problem is these people won't agree with this. So what I'd I would do is I'd have them listen to the episodes on grace, season two, episode 13, really helping them understand the doctrine of rest, which is ceasing from the occupation of acting as a first cause. Nice. We know God rested. And also, we're supposed to enter into his rest. And then I'd also have them listen to the God's Nature series, especially the three Omnis episode, season two, episode two. You know, with the Omnis, they'll really get into this omnipotent, omniscient perspective, especially omniscience is really what the issue or the conflict in this verse usually deals with. Nice. Thank you, sir. And next, the loose perspective is given by Pastor Rich from McMullen, Alabama. Let's hear what Pastor Rich has to say. Yeah, so this is known as anthropomorphism, attributing human attributes to God. You know, God didn't mean he literally didn't know this. Joel, how would you respond to the perspective that Pastor Rich gave? Well, there are several passages where God has a mind. It refers to God having a mind, even Christ, you know, having the mind of Christ. Are these people saying that God doesn't have a mind? Hmm. That attributing something a human has to God would make him not God? Hmm. So what I do is I'd have them listen to the God's Nature series, season two, starting with season two, episode one, and the non-contradiction episode season five episode two nice so to summarize the strict side doesn't understand that god works in response because he's no longer a first cause and essentially neither does the loose side either right 
the loose side doesn't understand that we are made in God's image or they're just choosing to ignore this passage. So what steps should we take to get the correct interpretation? Well, we'll use the same five-step process for every passage this season. And starting with number one, what does the Bible actually say? We can see in Jeremiah 19.5, this is in fact in the Bible. And have built, so the people have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not nor spoke it, neither came it into my mind. This is in the Bible. Jehovah did in fact say this. So we can move on to number two, which asks, what does the original language say? Nice. So here it'll be important for us to look at the word mind. The word mind in this passage was a Hebrew word, lave, and it meant inner man, mind, will, heart, or understanding. In fact, it was translated as the word mind 12 times in the Hebrew, in the, in the Old Testament, when this Hebrew word was used. Okay. The second most of all its uses. Interestingly, the first most English translation from the Hebrew word lev was heart, hmm. 508 times. So this word was used a ton in the Old Testament, and largely translated as heart. The other translated words after the second most, which was mind, were midst, understanding, hearted, and wisdom. All kind of around the same contextual thing of like, you know, did this come into God's consider? Did he consider this? And, nice. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll break that down even more because from here, what we need to do is we need to look at the context, bringing in the verses before and after Jeremiah 19.5 to really flush this out. So we are moving into that third step. What's the context? So we'll just start at the beginning of chapter 19 in the book of Jeremiah. A little quick paraphrase of verses one and two. What happens is God told Jeremiah to buy a clay jar and to take with him the elders of the people and the priest to the valley of the son of Hinnom. Hinnom was a valley with steep, rocky sides located southwest of Jerusalem. Here, God would tell Jeremiah the words to, to proclaim, which brings us into verse three. God says to Jeremiah, and say, hear ye the word of Jehovah, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring evil upon this place that whoever hears it, his ears shall tingle. All right. Well, God's going to bring evil upon Judah. We know God moves in response to justice, so evil. They must have done mm -hmm. something evil to deserve evil. To have, you know, ting tingly, t tingles yeah. in their ears. Oof. As God does, he gives the reason behind the judgment. Verse four starts with, because 
they, the people, have forsaken me and have estranged this place and have burned incense in it unto other gods that they knew not. They and their fathers and the kings of Judah and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. So why was God going to bring evil? They had forsaken God. They had treated Israel as a strange nation and they worshiped other gods. There you go. Ooh, but God's not done. Verse five. And they have built the high places of Baal, one of these other gods, to burn their sons in the fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I have commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. All right, so we see they had also built high places to Baal, to burn their sons with fire for offerings to Baal. Horrible, right? Mm -hmm. Again, God did not command this, and neither came it into his mind. God was surprised by people. This verse proved that God did not know the future down to every minute detail. If God did, that would mean the future had already happened, which would mean man does not have a choice, and it would contradict God having rested and our need to rest via grace. If God did know the future down to every minute detail, it would mean that this occurrence would have been in God's mind. Hmm. Now, what if this word meant heart, as was oft translated as such? Mm -hmm. Well, what does the heart do? The decisions we make with our mind, with our brain, are put into our hearts, and the heart is the last cause of all of our actions. So when we say the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life for the definition of grace, that doesn't mean the influence from God bypasses your thought process. Nice. It doesn't mean it bypasses your brain. Remember that influence comes into our conscious brain and it's up to us to decide to allow that influence to reflect into our life. When we make that decision, it plants that influence into our heart and then reflects into our life. So in this verse, if we take this word mind to mean heart, this would mean God was saying he may have known this was a possibility in his mind and his brain. However, God never could bring himself to make the decision to believe the people would actually do this behavior. So it actually sounds like the heart, the word heart, would have been a better translation here. Mm. But that doesn't take away from the fact that that's still this verse still proves that God did not know the future down to every minute detail. I love that, man. So those are two those are two big points there that you said if it's if it's if it means mind then we're talking about not knowing every minute detail or if it's heart it's he didn't want to bring himself to make the decision to believe that his people would do something like that. Right. I right. can't even imagine my kid would do that. Right. But that doesn't mean God didn't or couldn't have ever thought that this would have happened. It's just, it's more like, yeah, it's possible, but it would never happen. Not with my kids. Right. 
So what I so to that to that point when we look at it like heart, what I see is this is actually also more support over how merciful and even optimistic <laughs> God the Father is about humanity, right? Yeah, oh, man. Like him saying that this is possible, but it would never happen. Like my children would never be that evil. Which is interesting because then this pits what this made me think is is this evil that these these Jewish people were committing, God's children were committing up there in, I guess, a competition over the evil of the people in Noah's time. Right. We're so, this is so evil. God at, at minimum was saying, I never would have made the decision to believe my people were capable of being this evil. This is after God had already seen them be categorized as such from Genesis 6, 5, where it says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God had already seen the people do this. Mm. Now, since that time, in Genesis to where we are in the story. Now we saw Abraham come to be Isaac, Jacob. Maybe God had more optimism now about his people than he did when Noah during Noah's day. But still, I, I just thought it really the, the evil that we're dealing with, with the people bringing their sons to the high places of Baal to burn them in fire is something God never would have believed that his his children were capable of. So now for what the judgment on this situation would be. Verses 6 through 8 say this. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith Jehovah, that this place shall no more be called Topheth, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And I will make void the council of Judah and Jerusalem in this place, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies, and by the hand of them that seek their life, and their dead bodies will I give to be food for the birds of heaven and for the beasts of the earth. And I will make this city an astonishment and a hissing. Everyone that passeth thereby shall be astonished and hiss because of all the plagues thereof. This shows you how severe God the Father saw this evil behavior. The judgment on Judah and Jerusalem would be so severe and kind that the people passing by would be astonished at the destruction. This is the part that would make everyone's ears tingle. Mm. God was no longer loving his chosen people. If he had continued to love them, he would have been enabling them. Yeah, it would have been his fault for that. All of that abuse to continue, right? So this judgment is actually for the long-term benefit of the Jewish people, of God's chosen. So the pronouncing of the judgment continues again, really helping us see how God saw, how severe God saw this. Verses 9 and 10, And I will cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters, and they shall eat everyone the flesh of his friend in the siege and in the distress wherewith their enemies and they that seek their life shall distress them. Then 
shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee. So after Jeremiah proclaimed these words, he was told to break the clay jar that God told him to buy, which is an unconscious confrontation combined with a direct confrontation. You know, God through Jeremiah directly confronted the people on their behavior and told them directly what would happen and then added an unconscious confrontation. Again, I think this is also part of the would make everyone's ears tingle. Essentially like this, God's trying to reach his people on every level to the point where any of you elders who didn't just pay attention to Jeremiah, your unconscious brain is definitely going to get a hold of what it means when Jeremiah breaks this clay jar. Nice. This is yeah. symbolic. And and we see after breaking the clay jar, verse 11, thou shalt say unto them, thus says Jehovah of hosts, even so will I break this people and this city as one breaketh a potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again. And they shall bury in Topheth till there be no place to bury. That's how much death there would be. Jeez. So just as this clay jar, this potter's vessel was broken, so God would break the Jewish people in Jerusalem because of the evil they committed. And now if you keep reading Jeremiah, this chapter in Jeremiah, you'll see how atrocious this sin was in the sight of God. But up to this point, verses 1 through 11 in Jeremiah chapter 19 gives us the context we need to see not only to understand what God meant by neither came it into my mind, but also why it would have never came into his mind. Because we get to see not only how bad the evil was just in and of itself that Israel was committing, that the Jewish people were committing, but also what God's perspective was. We see from God's point of view, based on the judgment he's going to bring against these Jewish people, how evil he saw their behavior. So that's it. We don't need to go to steps four and five for this verse. And uh, we could use a reminder though, over the Diddy. If you have, you, you have a reminder for us again there, Jonathan. I do. The Diddy, man, it's really, it's really hard to sing a Diddy after hearing that, that uh, destruction. I know that was kind That's of somber, good. wasn't it? Yeah. So do I do I need to sing the ditty in a somber way? No, I, I won't. It's a pretty happy, <laughs> it's a pretty happy ditty, but I'm just thinking about you know what it looked like to to break this bottle. Like the uh Oof. like the complete, you know, that, that bottle must have like just almost disintegrated when he smashed it. Yeah, and, like, and the commentary too is it's so broken it cannot be put back together. This right. isn't just a crack. This is a shattered. This is a guy, you know, like I can see him full, like lifting this vessel full above his head and just yeah. shattering that vessel. Yeah. So here's the ditty. What does the Bible say? Did the English translation get in the way? Why don't you look at the context and something, 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 and another step, four and five steps. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. It's coming. Thank it's you, coming. Jonathan. Yeah, thanks for the ditty again, Jonathan. Remember, what we're trying to do here with this ditty, with these steps, is embrace 
being a contradiction remover and help all of you, our listeners, be contradiction mover, removers yourselves, because these steps are slowly bringing us through exposing, but that's not enough, is it? And removing the contradictions that man has introduced into the Bible. So thank you, Jonathan, for helping us make this, this process of exposing and removing contradictions a lot more memorable with this ditty. Yeah, man. I, I think it's these songs help us remember, you know, the, the ditties. Like all of us yeah. learn our ABCs. It's like yeah. we learn we learn our ABCs as a song. So it'd be awesome if we all held the same importance of the word of God with the same actual like the inspiration for the ABCs using that same idea towards yeah. interpreting the Bible. So yeah, hopefully that will have the same effect on we learn our ABCs to learn the English language. So hopefully we learn our doctrine Diddy or our what the flock Diddy, whatever we yeah. end up calling this Diddy to be able to become experts in interpreting the Bible. Yeah. God's language. Bingo. According. Yes. According to God's language. Yeah. Awesome. Now. My favorite part. What is the ultimate answer, Joel? Well, once we've exposed and removed the contradictions, we can see the doctrine. You know, the Bible does have conflicts. That's if it didn't, we wouldn't have to do season six, right? That's what we're dealing. We're dealing with the conflicts in what the Bible says. And what we're finding out is and proving is that the Bible does not have contradictions in the why or the doctrine. So here, the ultimate answer for Jeremiah 19.5 is, well, God was surprised by people. Yep. This verse proved that God did not know the future down to every minute detail. What if this word meant heart? Well, the decisions we make with our mind brain are put into our hearts and the heart is the last cause of all of our actions. So even if this word meant heart, that doesn't mean it bypassed God's mind or brain. Oh, nice. And yeah, if, true. And if we take this word mind to mean heart, it would mean God was saying he may have known this was a possibility just in theory or hypothetically. He may have known this was possible like in his brain. However, he never could bring himself to make the decision to believe that his people would actually do this evil behavior. Amazing. Well, thank you, Joel. This has been What the Flock. If you'd like a deeper study of this verse and how to deal with people who believe the man-made traditional perspectives, listen to the Music of Life Church podcast companion episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember... If you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.